0: You can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Angie, welcome to the Clever Girls No Podcast. Hi, Bola. Thank you so
1: much for having me.
0: So today we're going to be talking about how you and your husband... RJ paid off $123,000 of student loans and how you're setting your joint financial goals in your relationship. So let's start off by talking or by you sharing who you are and what you do.
1: So my name is Angie and I am the co-founder of Rich by Intention Rich by Intention is a brand that teaches couples on how to manage money with intention together as a team. My husband and I actually created this brand after, like you said, we paid off $123,000 of student loan debt in one year. So we, we just really want to encourage people, especially couples, to just be intentional with their finances and just know that they too can you know, achieve wealth.
0: That's great. And let's start at the beginning of your story. And you guys had this $123,000 of student loans. Whose debt was it? And how did you come to this joint agreement that you wanted to get rid of this debt?
1: So, so <laughs> I should say, so my husband had the lion share of the student loan debt. He came into our Relationship with upwards of eighty thousand dollars of student loan debt, but as you know, our belief is once you're married, (laughs) it's all one, right? Like you're one in marriage, and so you know, as a couple, we shared the hundred twenty-three thousand dollars of student loan debt, and so you know, it was it was a lot, right? Like, so I, I guess I should back up a little bit, right? Because. You know, even before we got married, my husband was very upfront with me about the amount of debt that he had when we first started dating. And this was back in 2011. And this was something that was a burden on him, something that was, you know, just a heavy load on his heart, you know, just being in this amount of debt. And so once he basically disclosed that to me, You know, we really started talking about finances. You know, that him just just being vulnerable with that information just allowed us to, you know, start having intentional conversations about our finances very early on in our dating relationship. And from that point, we decided, you know, what can we do? How do we take action and just create a plan to get ourselves in the best financial position, especially because we knew where our relationship was headed? We knew that we wanted to be married at one point, one day. And so, you know, it was very important for us to just start having those financial conversations, those uncomfortable conversations very early on as we were dating. And so we took the initiative and really started getting educated about personal finance together as a team.
0: That's really interesting that you guys were able to have that conversation early on. And it's something that a lot of people are challenged by having that conversation in a serious relationship or even at the early stages of a relationship as they're getting to know someone better a lot of people have shared with me that I don't know how to approach the conversation. I don't know how to ask them or if I tell them about my financial situation, will I be judged? Will it impact our relationship? So how did you navigate that? Right. Obviously your husband had the lion's share, but you had your own and you guys were in a serious relationship, knowing that you were going to get married, knowing that you were going to be combining finances. But prior to that, when you first had that initial conversation, how did you approach it? How did he approach you? How did you respond? I think that will be helpful for anyone who's in that kind of same situation of, okay, I'm dating someone and I want to share, I want to know what they're, what they have going on. How do I do it?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think transparency, transparency is key in any relationship. And I think if you're in a serious dating relationship, you need to be able to have those hard conversations early on, especially if you Do want to eventually get married because marriage is a bunch of hard conversations. (laughs) That's true. After you say I do, and (laughs) so I think just for lack of a better word, practicing, if you will, while you're dating, having those uncomfortable conversations is important. And I think you know anyone that you decide to be in a relationship with, a serious relationship with, you should be able to be transparent. And so my husband early on felt comfortable enough to have that level of transparency with me and you know i think for myself you know i think i gave him the the space right and you know this non-judgmental space to just be truly vulnerable with me about you know this this burden this debt load that was really like taking a toll on him you know and making him very very depressed in some ways because you know he was a new grad He couldn't really find a job because he was, you know, he graduated at the height of the recession. And so it was just a lot going on for him. And so I think, you know, if you're in a dating relationship, you know, you need to be able to have that non-judgmental safe space with your partner. And I think that's the first step, right? Like making sure that you're able to just offer a space where that person can really be vulnerable with you. And so from there, Once we were able to have that serious conversation about debt, where I was with debt, where he was with debt, you know, like I said, you know, that's where we decided to get educated about money together. And so I think that's the next step, right? Like, so it's like, okay, this is where you are. This is where I am. What do we need to do to really tackle this together? You know, and so we read personal finance books together. And there was nothing that, He read or that I read that we did not share information. You know, like if he was reading a book, we would talk about it. You know, he would tell me the things that he learned. Or if I was listening to an Audible, you know, we would talk about the different things that we were just gaining, the knowledge that we were just gaining from all of the different resources that we were just availing ourselves to. And so that led to just even more thoughtful communication around finances. And so, you know, just seeking out the information together as a team, and then really sharing what you guys are learning together. So there, there shouldn't be one thing that my husband knows that I don't know, or vice versa. Like we should really be in the know about everything that we're learning about together.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that you guys did that together. And I think it's really key to be able to have that type of communication and transparency at the early stages of your relationship before there is a legal commitment. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. And not to say that, you know, there, there are many, many instances and many conversations I've had where unfortunately that did not happen prior to getting married. And then they get married and both each partner is on a different page. Yeah. And it's not to say that you cannot overcome that because you absolutely can, but it can be more challenging if you didn't start off on the same page to begin with. So if you're in a relationship and you know this is something that you see yourself doing, you, someone you see yourself with long-term, it is definitely worth getting out of your comfort zone if you feel like the conversation is going to be uncomfortable to really just broach the topic about finances, student loans, goals for the next five years? Where do you see yourself? Yes. What's your thought on paying off that? Like having those conversations and just bring it in, it, bringing it in organically to your conversations. And then if you are already in that place where, okay, we are beyond the early stage and there's already complexities, we're already married or we're already in this relationship, but we're not on the same page. Again, it's determining how best to approach the topic with your partner slowly, but surely. And if you need to get outside help, definitely worthwhile. But communication, like you said, Angie, is so, so key, so key. And yeah. I love that you guys, like you learned together, you read the same books, you talked about it. That's that's really awesome.
1: Yeah, I think communication, I think, is the foundation of any relationship. And so if you're not able to have healthy, productive, effective communication, then like you said, Bola, like you might need to just get outside help, you know, and I even want to just back it up a little bit just to bring up something that you mentioned about, you know, the goals. And, you know, one thing that we want to encourage with our platform is, you know, for couples to, like you said, have those conversations early And often in their dating relationship, but even taking a step back before you even broach the the personal finance questions, it's really like setting the foundation of what your common vision, what your common values are, what your common goals are. And I think from there it'll help you initiate those conversations about the personal finances in your relationship. Because I think if you're on the same page about where you guys want to go, right? That's your vision. Like, where do you see yourself? How do you want to raise your family? What's the lifestyle that you guys want to have down the road? You know, and then going into what your values are. Like, what are your money values? Like, how do you feel about, you know, debt? How do you feel about investing? How do you feel Mm -hmm. about you know, just any areas of personal finance, right? And then you really, then you go down to your goals. Like, okay, so now that we know our common vision, now that we know our common values, what are the goals that we want to achieve in the next in the next six months, in the next year, in the next five years, 10 years, as it relates to our money? And so I think just taking the step back to understand where you want to go is important and it will give you a roadmap to, to help guide where you want, where you want to be in your relationship.
0: I love that. And I 100% agree with, you know, that advice and and your approach. So let, let's come back to this $123,000 <laughs> because we have to talk about that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys paid this debt in one year. Yes. In one year. And so yeah, where did the money come from? How did you do this? <laughs> what were, like do you mind sharing? Or yeah, sharing like income. Like how did you make this happen? Obviously, you had the two incomes, but one hundred twenty three thousand dollars is still a lot of money. So let's, can you break it down for, to us, for the audience? How did you make this work? How was it possible?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, when, when it's hard to wrap your head around paying off $123,000 in one year, but you know, I think that one of the first things after we decided to get educated about money together, you know, was we started having money date nights or budget date nights, as we like to call them. And we basically started a budget. You know, the budget is, I think, <laughs> the base of any good, you know, financial plan, if you will. I think, you know, just us being intentional about having conversations about how much money we were bringing in, how much was going towards our debt um, was very important to us. And just having those frequent money date nights was very helpful for us because we were always talking about our money, our goals, and what we needed to do within that month to achieve paying down our debt. And so that's the first thing I think, you know, after we got educated is just having that budget and making sure that we were abiding by our budget on a regular basis. And then from there, you know, once we had our budget in place, we knew how much money was coming in and how much was going out because we knew what our expenses were, we decided to lower our expenses. And so, you know, we did whatever we could to really like lower our expenses. And once they couldn't go down anymore, we had to figure out what was next. And so with lowering our expenses, we negotiated almost everything. And so from our rent, you know, rent is, you know, one of the largest line items in most people's budget. And so we actually negotiated our rent. Like we were living in a one bedroom apartment at the time, not the prettiest. (laughs) It wasn't the best apartment, but it was good for the season that we were in. It was, you know, it was, the rent was already not too expensive. It was very manageable for us, but you know we were good tenants we had been living there i think for about 2 years already and you know we spoke with the landlord once our lease once our lease renewal came up again and we asked if you know it was possible for our rent not to increase <laughs> that year given that we paid on time given that we were good tenants and we took good care of the property and our landlord ended up not giving us an increase and so that helped tremendously with you know just keeping our expenses at bay. From there, we decided to call up utility companies and figure out how do we negotiate? How do we lower our bills? You know, our cell phone bill was one that we ended up, you know, getting lower. We even sold furniture. (laughs) So like, as you know, after we got married, we combined our furniture. We didn't need everything that we had previously. And so we ended up selling our furniture. And so that helped us to just get extra cash on hand to help throw at our debt. And then from there, once we couldn't lower our expenses any further, we didn't stop there, right? Like we knew that there was more that we needed to do. And so we decided to increase our income at that point. And so, yes, you know, obviously paying down $123,000 in a year, you have to, you know, bring in a nice size income. And I want to just preface this by saying that we weren't making over $100,000 when we initially started paying off our student loan debt. You know, we were making decent salaries, but, you know, I know we we were making decent salaries, but we weren't making over the hundred figure mark at the time. And so we had to intentionally seek out ways to increase our income. And so one of the things that we did was we networked like crazy inside and outside our organization to figure out how do we get promotions or raises within our company. And I think, you know, one thing that we want to encourage people to do is, you know, do more networking, seek out people who are in a space that you want to be in, who are in positions where you want to be and have those informational interviews. Because I think, you know, a lot of times those informational interviews where you're just learning about how someone got to where they are, can open up doors of opportunity for you. And that that's what happened to us, right? You know, so in my organization, I networked, I reached out to leaders in my organization just to learn about opportunities in their department or just learn about them. And, you know, I ended up getting a promotion within my company that helped to increase my salary, My husband, on the other hand, networked outside of his organization and was able to leave his company and go to a new company. And that increased his salary as well. And so, you know, I think just the power of networking, you know, isn't always discussed (laughs) enough. And I think, you know, You just have to put yourself out there more so that people know who you are. One thing that we always say is it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. And so just putting yourself out there, not being afraid, you know, to just... Be in the spotlight, if you will, let people know the work that you're doing, the the work ethic that you have, you know, and I think that can pay off in dividends for you. You know, another thing we did with increasing our incomes was we negotiated our salaries. I got my promotion within my company, but it wasn't necessarily an increase that I got, (laughs) you know, it wasn't an increase at the time, but I negotiated, I asked for more and I didn't, I didn't just stop at the first offer that I got. And I think that's important too. You know, I think oftentimes we as women are, I think apprehensive to put ourselves out there and just ask for what we think we deserve. And, you know, I would encourage, you know, any, any listeners to really be intentional about just asking You know, the worst you can hear is no. And so I think just negotiating your salary and not taking the first offer is important and not being timid, not being shy and knowing that you deserve more is important. And again, my husband did the same thing with his offer with the company that he ended up joining. And so from there, you know, we didn't just stop there. I actually got a side hustle and became an adjunct professor at my former university. So that helped to bring in extra money as well. And so, yeah, we basically did all the things that we could do from lowering our expenses, increasing our income so that we could really pay off this debt faster. Like we just got so laser focused and we're just like, what do we need to do within our control to just get rid of this debt and out of our lives as fast as possible? And, you know, we didn't think that we would pay off $123,000 in one year when we first started. We actually thought when we, when we created our first budget during our money date night, We actually thought it was going to take us over three years to pay off more, more closer to four years. And, you know, it really took us being intentional, laser focused, lowering our expenses, figuring out ways to increase our income, whether it was through getting promotions or raises, negotiating our salaries, getting side hustles. And that just expedited our debt payoff more than we could ever even have
0: imagined. Mm -hmm. That is very, very motivational to hear you say that, you know, especially for anyone who's listening, who is in that space where, okay, I don't make more money than what I owe right now. What I owe is more than what I make, (laughs) but I know that I want to pay this off. And that was basically the position that you were in, right? You were not making more than a hundred thousand dollars, but you had this $123,000 of debt. And also considering the fact that the hundred K or so that you were making needed to be taxed, right? (laughs) Because that's just the way it is. And the fact that you guys, set that intention and got really lean and mean on cutting down your budget, on negotiating and networking like crazy, on working extra hours, starting a side hustle, getting those raises, you know, that really is a testament to how sacrifice and intention for a short period of time can pay off. Obviously, not everything is equal for everybody, right? Some Mm -hmm. people may take them longer to pay this off. Some people might require more effort to increase their income or even start a side hustle. They may have dependents, kids, whatever. But the thing is that if you set intention and you open your eyes and your mind and your heart to the 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 potential that you can pay this off, you will see the opportunities present themselves before you that you can just grab and apply towards that intention. And this, what I mean by that is you wanted to pay off your debt and you decided that okay, we we don't have all the money paid off now, but we're gonna work. To do it, we're going to cut our budget. We're going to, okay, now there's opportunity for us to, to network. Let's do that. There's the opportunity for us to ask for a raise. Let's do that. There's opportunity for us to talk to our landlord not to raise the rent. Let's do that. You were, you could see the opportunities because you had set the intention. Whereas if you hadn't set the te- intention and you were just like, you know what, wow, that's a lot of money. We don't even make that much in a year. There's no way we can pay it off you probably would not have asked your landlord to not raise rents because that was not the mind space you would have been in. You probably would not have made the effort to go network because you weren't really hungry enough to pursue a goal of paying off debt when you didn't even make as much money as the debt that you owed, right? So when you set the intention, you get really clear on being able to identify the opportunities. And I think just being open-minded and open-hearted, if that's a word, (laughs) To, to be able to pull those opportunities in when they appear it is so important. It's the difference. It's the game changer when it comes to your savings goals, your debt goals, your career goals, your relationship goals, everything in life is just adjusting your mindset so that you can see what's in front of you or see what appears in front of you. So that's so incredible that you guys did all of that and were able to increase your income by reducing your expenses, getting those raises, starting your side hustles, and then paying off that debt. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. No, I think, you know, you're so right about just setting that intention. And I think that's why we call ourselves rich by intention, because just I love it. <laughs> <laughs> just having that intention in place, a plan of what you're trying to do and aim, right? Is so important. And, and like you said, like. It's amazing how things will just align in your favor once you kind of get yourself in that headspace, once you set that intention, once you set that plan and have an aim for for what you're trying to do. And our message isn't, you know, oh, yeah, you should pay off your debt in a year. Like, that's not what we're trying or encouraging people to do. I think, you know, what we want to encourage people and couples to do is, you know, start where you are, just start where you are with what you have. And, you know, it's a matter of just getting that plan in place to just pay down debt. You know, I don't think you have to do it as fast as you can. I don't think that like maybe that's not for everyone. Maybe that's not Mm -hmm. the season you're in right now. But I think it's, you know, just having the plan in place. And it might be, you know, for you, it might look like, you know, just putting an extra $20 or $50 or a hundred dollars per month towards a debt that you have, you know, like I said, just start where you are, start with what you have. And that that's exactly what we did. You know, like we didn't know that we were going to pay it off in a year. We were ready to, you know, be in this for the long haul, but we just started where we were with what we had. We didn't, we weren't making the same amount of money that we did when we, when we Ended up paying off our debt, but we started where we were with the salaries that we had and just figured it out. And I think, you know, that's what anyone can do that, right? Anyone can just start with where they are.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing I always like to say whenever anyone shares their incredible debt payoff or savings story, you know, is that people are always going to try to poke holes in your approach, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what she had going for her. This is why they are lucky. This is, and that's fine. But what I want to remind folks listening to is don't be discouraged because someone went at a faster pace than you. Mm-hmm. And also what Angie said is create your plan and then work the plan, the steps to save, the steps, steps to pay off debt, the steps to build wealth are the steps. Most people do not have a windfall that lands in their lap so they can pay off their debt. Most people do not have property or assets or things they can sell when they're starting their debt payoff journey that will automatically just bring the exact funds to pay off their debt. Most people have to go through this journey of creating a plan, working the plan, taking the steps, getting back up from setbacks, getting creative, getting outside of your comfort zone. Doesn't matter how much you owe. Doesn't matter how much you're trying to save. Doesn't matter how much you're trying to invest. The steps are the steps. And the key here is you. It's you. It's putting your head in the game, adjusting your mindset, setting the intention and knowing that for a short period of time, one year, three years, five years, seven years, That is a short period of time. When you look at the grand scheme of life, you can focus and accomplish that debt goal, that savings goal, that career goal, that business goal, whatever it might be. I think sometimes we get caught up in how accelerated things seem for everybody (laughs) Mm -hmm. based on what we see on social media. Obviously, our story was accelerated, but you guys, you did not have to cut your expenses like crazy or stay in a one bedroom or like... That was not so great, as you said, or do all the things that you did. You could have slowed your role and paid off your debt in three years or in five years. Right. So just a reminder that it's yes, there are incredible stories out there. This is an incredible story. Right. But you can also have an incredible story on your own path and on your own journey. So just keep that in mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think, Bola, you're so right, right? Like again, like I think social media doesn't help, right? <laughs> you know, with kind of with you know just seeing everyone doing the things that you know you feel like, dang, maybe I should be doing that too, or maybe I should be going as fast as those people. and so sometimes we have to like not be on social media, you know, we have to take a break from it and just focus on our goals. you know, on our podcast, you know, we also have a podcast, and we had a a great guest on who said, you know, when you have a goal, like you have to put blinders on, you know, like just focus on your goal. Don't look at anyone else. Don't see what anyone else is doing. Like just focus on your own goal and, you know, put on those blinders and just, you know, just just, you know, grind out basically is what she was saying. And so like, I couldn't agree more with that. You know, sometimes you do have to just take a break from social media. You know, sometimes you might have to take a break from friends or family who may not be, motivating you or being as encouraging on your financial journey or may not be as supportive of the plan that you have for yourself. And so sometimes it might be, you know, putting on those blinders and just kind of focusing on yourself and just trying to better and improve yourself.
0: That is so true. And, you know, it is doing what you have to do so that you can succeed in your life and get to the point where you're living life on your own terms. And then you can go back to those people. But while you're in the weeds of it, while you're trying to figure out, what you need to accomplish. That advice is golden.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, this just made me think of something else is, you know, while we were doing this, we didn't really tell anyone, you know, it was just my husband and I working on our goals together. And I think, you know, I think it's important, you know, like, I don't think every, every goal, every, everything you want to achieve doesn't have to be shared with everybody. I think it's important to have people in your corner that you trust, that can hold you accountable, that you can share your goals and your dreams with. But just be cognizant and mindful of the people that are really in your corner who will cheer you on because you don't have to share everything with everybody, especially when it's a goal that is just a goal that you're trying to achieve, that you're trying to accomplish. You know, because sometimes people can be discouraging And can, you know, just kind of take you off track. And right now, like you just need to focus and do what you have to do by any means necessary. And so it might be just taking yourself away from people who are just getting you off track.
0: Yeah. The truth is that, is that there are people who are going to think that your goals are outrageous and ridiculous and just plain stupid because really you don't make a hundred K, but you want to pay off $123,000. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There Mm -hmm. are going to be people like that. So, and you kind of know those people who give those feedback and sometimes they're not giving the feedback to hurt you. They're just giving the feedback because in their own experience, in their own view of the world, right? It is impossible, but their feedback can plant seeds that discourages you, that derails your intention, that screws up your focus. So it's okay to move in silence. It's okay Mm -hmm. to say, I can't make it. I'm busy. You don't have to tell people what you're doing. It's okay. Especially if you know you have those type of people who are not going to encourage you and they'll have you second guessing the progress you're making. And if this is really a good idea, et cetera. So like Angie said, yes, keep your goals to yourself, keep them close to your heart.
1: (laughs) But yes, yeah. Keep them close to your heart. But, you know, if you do need community, like, you know, there's communities out there for you. Like Clever Girl Finance is a huge one. (laughs) So, you know, platforms like Bola's are ones where you can really just find like minded people who will root you on, who will push you to reach your goals if you don't have those in your personal life, those people in your personal life.
0: Yeah. So, Angie, have you guys, shifting gears a little bit, have you guys had any money disagreements, gold disagreements, and how do you guys navigate around the things that you may not agree on when it comes to, you know, just finances in general?
1: So, obviously, um, we do have our disagreements. We do see things a little differently um, when as it comes to not only personal finance, but you know, just things in general. Like it can (laughs) be anything. But one thing I say about my husband and I is that we talk about everything, literally. Everything. And I'm the type of person like I poke, he'll bring me an idea or something. And I'm the type of person where I'll poke holes in it and I'll ask a lot of questions before we kind of take action on something. And I think you need that, right? Like I think you need that, you know, person who's going to, you know, be the person who's going to be like, oh, we should do this. Like we should take this risk, you know, or, you know, whatever it it is. And then you need that other person who's going to be, you know, just someone who will i don't know kind of just think critically <laughs> about mm-hmm. some of the some of the ideas or the risks that the other person wants to take and so i think you know that's been key for us just having those conversations so often like we literally talk about everything and you know, we don't always agree on the things that we talk about, but we always find some type of compromise. And I think that's important, right? Especially in marriage is that, you know, we have to find some type of compromise where, you know, we meet halfway for each other. And so like, that's been something that we've been able to do um, thus far. Thankfully, with the personal finance stuff, you know, we've been on the same page for years now, because we started those conversations over 10 years ago, right? Like when we first started dating. And so when we, once we did get married back in 2017, you know, it was just easy to like, just start, you know, conquering our our finance goals together. But as far as, you know, just the other disagreements we might have, you know, I think it just comes down to compromise and communication and talking things out, even when it's hard, right? Like one thing that... (laughs) We always say my grandma always says in particular is like you don't never go to bed angry. And that's something that we've done or that we try to do quite frequently. You know, we try not to let the sun set on our anger and like we're very intentional about having conversations and trying to find the compromise and, and if we can't, we're not adverse or against, you know, just seeking out help too, right? We've gone to marriage conferences, you know, <laughs> I remember one disagreement in particular where, you know, we just didn't see eye to eye on something and we sought out resources. And I think that's important, right? Like, again, like I don't think any marriage is perfect. No one is perfect. And so, you know, I think just using the resources that are available to us is important. And so, you know, one thing my husband did was once we had our disagreement, he sought out a conference, (laughs) a marriage conference, like, hey, we might need to go to this because I think this might help us. And that's what we did. And it helped. And, you know, it really did. And so like, like, yeah, like you have to, communicate, you have to compromise. And if you can't find the common ground, then you need to seek out resources for yourself because not for us. And our message is nothing comes before your marriage, right? Yes. Um, your marriage is the number one thing. And, you know, you have to do whatever it takes to make sure that you guys are united, that you guys are working as a team and just, you know, just focusing on your marriage and, you know, seeking out resources really helps.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest and say that I have gone to bed angry. (laughs) Listen, I've been so mad. Yes, 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 yes. You stay on your side of the bed. Don't look at me. Exactly. Right. Back's to you. (laughs) (laughs) I've had those days.
1: I said, try like we try, right? Maybe there's been some off nights, but for the most part morning, you know, we wait. We might make up, so you know. <laughs>
0: I may talk to you two days later, but I will talk to you eventually. <laughs> no, but you know that you know that is the nature of relationships. You're gonna have disagreements. But what I found, going back to what you said earlier, with communication, what I found in my own relationship is that as time has progressed, my husband and I have fewer disagreements mm. about money. In fact, I don't remember the last time we had a money disagreement. And this is simply because we have conversation. We talk about our goals and our finances a lot. Even this weekend, we were talking about Risk tolerance. It was just something we we're talking about, and we both agreed that I have a much lower risk tolerance than my husband. Does. <laughs> yes, I think I'm like you. <laughs> Listen, I'm not playing no games. I there's a point I just cannot go below. I I'm never all in, right? Oh my God, mm-hmm. we're all in. Let's put it all in. This is not the Vegas. Table, we're not all in. We can test <laughs> a bit in, yep. so we 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 agreed on that, and we're just talking about you know taking risk and what would make me comfortable to take more risk, and I, you know, and it was the difference between all in versus let's take the small amount and take this risk, etc. So we have those types of conversations so that we ensure that we stay on the same page, and it's not a conversation we have every six months. We're it's something that's just built into mm-hmm. our, comp- like, if I want to make a financial transaction and invest in something right now, I'm going to text my husband, hey, you know, what do you think about putting money into this? What do you think about moving money from here into this? It's just part of our conversation, part of our the way we communicate about everything. And so what you said, Angie, about communicating making it just part of your organic language. The same way you talk about, oh, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? What are we going to have for lunch, right? You can make your money conversations similar where it's not this whole big thing. yeah. It just is organic to your conversation and it helps to minimize the disagreements. And you will have disagreements. Right? I'm not saying that me and my husband will never have a money disagreement. I'm sure we will have one soon in the future, who knows, but it's easier to come back from it if we've been on the same page. Exactly.
1: No, you're so right. I love that. You know, I I love that your husband helped you to bring, you know, your risk tolerance up, you know, and I think that's the value of having a partner, right? Like, because especially a partner that isn't exactly like you, because I, I see that with my own husband, like we're not exactly alike, but his strengths, you know, are, how do I say this? Like, basically, like, we meet each other where we are, right? Like in the, in the sense where we both play to our strengths. Right. And so like, I'm not the most risk tolerant either. My husband is a little more, but he's kind of helped me on our journey to kind of just be a little bit more of a risk taker. And, you know, maybe, and I'm sure I've helped him, you know, kind of Not be so much of a risk taker, right? Like (laughs) balance is really key, right? And just kind of helping each other and playing to our strengths and, you know, just helping each other, I think, along the way is really important. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you have paid off this debt, That this debt, you and your husband have paid off your debt. And what's next? What are your goals? What are you working on? Where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? Obviously, you have this incredible platform where you're helping other couples, rich by intention. But from a financial perspective, what's next for you guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Yes, we paid off our $123,000. That was a major goal. And so now, you know, we're really focused on investing. A few years ago, we've gotten into real estate. You know, I'm not sure if I love real estate, to be honest, <laughs> but I don't know, like people love it, but I just haven't been like, oh, my God, like, I just want to buy up all these homes. Like, I just I don't know. I There's just something I don't like about it. Maybe it's too risky. Maybe that's what it is. Like, I'm <laughs> not too ris- much work. Uh, it's too much work. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, like, I don't want to have to do all this. I don't want to have to rehab anything <laughs> like I just want to, you know, get my money and whatever. No, but um, but no, like we just I think we're focusing on our investing like you know, like in the stock market, that's, you know, a huge thing that we do. We're focusing in on, we're building up wealth for our daughter, which is huge Mm. for us and was a huge motivator in paying off our 123K, you know, just thinking about the life that we wanted to have for our children, the life that, you know, we wanted to build for them. And, you know, that helped us tremendously not having that debt anymore, where we're able to sow money into her 529 account, into her custodial brokerage account. So, you know, we're able to, to just build up wealth for her, which is awesome. And so, yeah, I think we're just focusing on that obviously with rich by intention, you know, like I've, I'm actually working full-time in our business now, thankfully. And, you know, with that, we want to build up rich by intention. We want to make an impact on couples. We want people to be united in their marriages. We want couples to stay together. You know, finances is a huge challenge for a lot of couples and is one of the main causes for divorce. And so, you know, with with Rich Mind Tension, you know, it's really our mission to help couples have those hard conversations about money early so that they get on the same page about money a lot faster and they're able to build wealth together for their family. And so, you know, we're just so excited about what's to come with Rich Mind Tension. We have our podcast. It's actually been nominated for an award this year. This is our first year doing it. But, you know, just so many great things. We've had awesome guests um like yourself <laughs> <laughs> on our podcast, just, you know, financial experts who are just telling their story, their incredible stories like yours, Bola, and just sharing information. And, you know, my hope is that, you know, it's really hard. Right. And I've, I've, I've spoken to some of our followers who are married and, you know, they just say like, you know, I just, I can't, like, I don't know what to do. I can't get my husband or my wife on the same page as me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm all in, but I just can't get them. And sometimes what helps is a podcast episode, you know, like not you giving the information, (laughs) but having someone else say what might need to be said from another financial expert. And, you know, it might be a car ride that you play the podcast in, And questions might come up from that, you know, or, you know, another I heard from another guest that we had, you know, if you and your partner are are on the same page about, you know, personal finance, like play a play a podcast episode really loud or an episode of something about a topic (laughs) in the in the personal finance space and just turn it up loud so that they can hear And, you know, maybe that'll spark some type of conversation. And, you know, I thought it was funny when she said it, but it's it's true, right? Like sometimes it does take a third party to kind of help open the eyes of someone else. And so if our platform can do that for people, for couples, especially, you know, that just is huge for us. And like, we just want couples to win with money. Like that's all we want um, with Rich My Intention.
0: Yeah, that is, you know... Sometimes there are there is a partner where you can't get on board with something. And I've been there, right? It's not every idea I have that my husband thinks is amazing and mm-hmm. vice versa. Some of the things he wants to do, I'm like, please, whatever. You know, that's the mindset I had. But I think just understanding you are in your relationship, you know your partner best and understanding their love language and how you leverage that <laughs> to approach the conversation and yes. get yourselves on the same page, right? Like for example, when I when my husband and I first got married, I learned very quickly that he didn't like to be told what to do. This is what we are going to do. We are going to buy an index fund. We are going to, and that's just very much <laughs> because guess what? I'm the money person in the relationship. So this is what we're going to do. And he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Why? Cause I don't feel like it. And the reason why he was so resistant was because of just the, yep. the approach, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. The approach. He likes to be part of the conversation. He likes to be part of the decision making. He likes to have the information, right? To agree to the decision, not be told this is the decision, right? And so that was a game changer in our relationship. And I'm also the same way. Like, no one's going to come and tell me guess what we're going to do right now? No. Did I decide to do it with you? We're not going to do that. And so it's number one, treat them how you would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had to learn that. And Number two, to learn their love language and leverage that to, you know, to, to have conversations. I've had someone tell me that whenever she makes her best meal, her husband is more open to everything and anything. And it's so, it's so simple. And Funny. she found herself fighting all the time with her partner. And she realized that, wait a minute, every time I cook this thing, he loves it so much that the conversation is easier. That's that's, that's the magic, girl.
1: Yes. You know, food Basic is the way. Like that. What do they say? Food is the way to a man's heart. <laughs> that
0: is hilarious. Okay. You know, sometimes it's more complex, but sometimes it's simple. Sometimes, there are people who do not want to have hard conversations in bed. Yes. uh, Wind down for the day and watch TV. And then there I am. Hey, babe. So can we talk about that? Yes. (laughs) Investments. Can we talk about that financial goal? And he's like, dude, I want to lie down and go to bed, watch TV, read a book. I don't want to talk about money in this bed.
1: You're so right. Because my (laughs) husband was kind of like that. He was just kind of like, so he would come home from work and, you know, he had like a two hour commute and, you know, he gets in the house. He's like, I'm tired. And I'm just like, hey, like, you know, let's talk about this, 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 (laughs) you know, and like, I have all these questions and like all this stuff. And it was just like, okay, okay. He has to unwind when he gets in the house from a long day. He needs to eat some food. And so I think you're so right about just kind of understanding your partner, understanding how they receive information, you know, and and I love what you said about like the love languages, because that's huge, right? Like just understanding how your, your person, how your partner just, receives not only love, but yeah, like information. And I think that helps use their love language to help guide <laughs> how you're going to kind of, you know, just give them this new information about finances or whatever it might be.
0: Yeah. And I, I would also say that, you know, we're talking about our partners, but also don't forget about yourself, because this is a relationship. This is not, you know. A dictatorship where you're supposed to be catering. Yes, <laughs> it's yes. Somebody like, oh, how can I make sure I can talk to this person? You also want to make sure that they can speak to you. And there are times when you know you don't want to deal with, something you don't want to talk about something and they may always be approaching you at that time so you can say listen you know when I wake up the first thing in the morning or when I'm just about to go to bed it's not the best time to talk about this let's talk about this at this time let's do this at this time like you also express your own frustrations around when certain conversations or certain decisions are trying to be made that don't work for you so that you Mm -hmm. guys can ease into the same page together right it's not just about you trying to figure out your partner but they also have to figure you out too
1: yes and i think it all goes back to just communication communicate yes Yes. (laughs) communicate (laughs) with each other let each other like know each other's needs and wants desires like that's what it comes down to exactly
0: so angie you have to tell everybody what is your clever girl superpower (laughs)
1: like clever girl wait you have to explain that to me because i
0: didn't (laughs) so every guest that comes on the podcast has a superpower that they share, right? It can change. It can be how you're feeling that day, but it's something that just makes you amazing because you are. <laughs> what is it?
1: Oh my god, my clever girl's superpower? Oh my god, what
0: makes me amazing? I don't know. I don't. It could be in this moment. It could be in your whole life. It could be um... what people compliment you on all the time. But there's something about you that's incredible. So you got to share. <laughs>
1: Dang. I don't know. Okay, so. I'll say this, I think, you know, my clever girl superpower is I smile a lot. And I know that sounds small, but I was I was told by like a coworker like, you know, before I left my job. <laughs> she's like, "Every time I see you, you're always smiling." And she's like, "Just keep smiling <laughs> after you leave here." And I think I think that's important, right? Especially in these times where it can be hard to smile, you know, with everything going on in the world. But yeah. just remember to smile. Just remember to be kind to one another. Be generous. Be giving. <laughs> that's that's really what I guess I'll say is like, I, I have to remind myself all the time to smile, be kind, be generous and give more. So
0: yeah. I love that. And your smile can be the small difference that makes all the difference in somebody's day, in somebody's mood. You know, when you see somebody else smile, it it, it it helps you feel a little better depending on how you're you know you're feeling that day. You impact other people positively with your smile. So that's yes. great.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. And I know <laughs> anyway, I was gonna say I know we can't always see ever, everyone smiles with our masks, but I know, you know when you can, <laughs> when you can share a
0: smile. In, in a in a safe way try to do that as much as you can I've started learning how to read people's eyes I can tell when someone is smiling from their eyes. <laughs> That's funny. So smizing, right? I think Mizing. Tyra Banks, Tyra Tyra, Banks yeah.
1: calls calls it that so smile.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think I can <laughs> I'm going to
1: I'm going to get my Smize game up so that, you know, more people can see my eyes,
0: see that I'm happy with my eyes. You just want people to think you're crazy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? I eye signals with your <laughs> and you shared all these you shared all these awesome things, you know, your podcasts, your about your platform. So please tell us exactly where. Folks listening can go to your website, your podcast name, social media handle, where they can go to to learn more and keep in touch with you guys.
1: Yes. So you can find us at richbyintention.com. We are also on Instagram at richbyintention and our podcast is on all major platforms. And again, it's called Rich By Intention Podcast.
0: So yeah, awesome, and we'll have all that information in the show notes. So thank you so much, Angie, for being here, for sharing your story and for all the great tips and advice.
1: Oh, thank you, Bola. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, You can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.